Hello, and welcome to the Manifest M5 or M to the 5th Power podcast series, a production by Musically Grown. This is part two of chapter one in the third episode of this podcast for the upcoming book, Manifest M to the 5th Power, which you can find more of at manifestm5.com and at my author's page, jacovapen.com, as well as a blog of my experience in writing this book at iamgoddessawaken.com. Chapter 1, Part 2 When information is thought of as an organizing force, in formation, there is a convergence of the ancient and modern descriptions of a field as a record and conductor for energetic waves. Beyond merely being fable of Hindu culture, quantum physics is able to account for an encompassing space that, although appears empty to the naked eye, is an integral account of all that exists, bringing coherence to our vast cosmos. To explain the seemingly shared information between matter and space, Irvin Laszlo references an unpublished work by Nikola Tesla describing what seems to be the essence of the Akashic field as space essentially filled with a field from which matter is created from action and as the action ceases, dissolves again into this informational field affecting everything that transpires in space. Just as a wave travels through water when struck by an object, such as a rock, creating ripples from where it lands, it carries the information of the rock's presence throughout. This disputed Einstein's description of a four-dimensional curvature to space and time. Although Tesla's theories did not prevail during Einstein's time, they are being revisited as a few of Einstein's theories, despite the multitude of his contributions that remain founded, have not survived the most recent findings involving the quanta. More recently, to remedy conflicts between the dueling explanations of an absolute quantum vacuum to describe empty space and that of an invisible luminiferous ether, the second half of the 20th century produced the zero-point field, or ZPF theory, which in essence can be interpreted as the Akashic field. Laszlo expounds on how the ZPF of the vacuum affects the state and momentum of particles, even towards the stability of Earth's orbit around the Sun. The research is still in its infancy, but the interactions with density pressure waves that are emitted from the ZPF are super dense with a multitude of wave types propagating through it. Through resonance, Various wave types, such as sound, light, and electromagnetism, are amplified or repressed, making the ZPF, quote, responsible for the distribution of matter throughout the cosmos, unquote. Going further yet, based on findings of torsion links to the ZPF, Laszlo hypothesizes that, quote, the quantum vacuum generates the holographic field that is the memory of the universe, unquote. Throughout cultures and times, reception to information and guidance has been reported through experiences such as being near death, blind sight, fasting, prayer, breathwork, and rhythmic motion, to name a few. Though subjective in terms of evidence, such accounts do provide amazing similarities of accessing non-sensory information in altered states. 
An experiential account from a multitude of individuals over millennia has shown that meditation in many forms is a key to accessing this informational field. In realizing that consciousness takes on some form of quanta, as waves emitted by the brain and thought pattern activity can be picked up by an EEG, the question of tapping into higher states of consciousness to communicate with the quanta of the universe becomes the foundation for improving the quality of life for humans and even for the multiverse as a whole. Information exchange with the zero point or Akashic field appears to be taking place in some form, whether it is in the brain, heart, and or soul interacting. In explaining this further, Dawson Church discusses the phenomena of quantum physics in which all possibilities of the state of light and matter is suspended in all possible outcomes until it is observed, as seen in the widely known and widely replicable double-split experiment in which electrons, atoms, molecules will all remain in a suspended state, essentially in the realm of all possibilities until being observed, and can either travel through the slit as a wave or particle. He goes on to giving numerous examples of this phenomena playing out in real life, including how belief of the observer is evident in scientific experiments. Essentially, any study of scientific inquiry begins with an observation that leads to a hypothesis, goes through an empirical method to test the hypothesis, and through replicability can graduate to theory. However, independent laboratory studies done by biotech company Amgen attempted to reproduce 53 landmark studies over 10 years, finding six of them reproducible. In another attempt at reproducibility, Of 100 psychology studies, less than half were reproducible. Among the many possible reasons for this discrepancy, a commonly known expectancy effect may play the largest role, as each experiment begins with a belief, which in itself creates the challenge of how much the role of the observer may play out at different various scales. Random number generators have also shown a type of response to human consciousness by deviating from random baseline output during events significant to large populations, producing statistically significant results affirming the effects are not by chance. The Global Consciousness Project, a collaboration of scientists and engineers, studies the phenomena with the goal of highlighting global coherence in consciousness. Examples of events that have had a correlation with a coherence to global consciousness include the 1998 U.S. Embassy bombings in Kenya and Tanzania, the first visit of the Pope to Israel in 2000, a 2003 global candlelight vigil for peace, the Democratic Party Convention of 2004, 2006 Indonesian earthquake killing over 3,000 people, the 2008 presidential nomination of Barack Obama, the 2010 rescue of Chilean miners trapped for 18 days, a 2013 global meditation organized by the Peace Portal Activation Group, and the 2015 International Peace Day, among others. Odds for such deviations activating by chance during these events that capture the global consciousness are 
about one in a trillion, offering one technique for measuring the state of global consciousness. Essentially, we not only resonate with a collective consciousness, but through our own personal coherence, each play a part in nudging our communities and our world. We do this with conscious energy in the way that a laser takes light and amplifies it, strengthening the concentration of it through organization to be more powerful than the same energy would be in an incandescent bulb. Similarly, with a coherent mind, we can use consciousness to direct our thoughts to achieve the extraordinary rather than being pushed around by reality. Synchronicities also provide evidence that there is an organizing field of information throughout the universe. Using the 9-11 attacks as an example, multiple cases following the travesty have emerged of thousands of people who, for one reason or another, from flight delays, schedule changes, intuition, and a multitude of seemingly unrelated events, were somehow saved from being in the time and space they otherwise should have been, miraculously escaping death. In the first estimates, the death poll was reported at 6,659 casualties based on a calculation of the number of people who should have been in the World Trade Towers when the plane struck. However, a final count of actual fatalities was found to be 2,753, with numerous reports from citizens to celebrities of some anomalous event that kept them from being where they otherwise would have been. There is no scientific proof showing that the brain is the warehouse and storage facility of the consciousness. Information flows and interacts with our brainwaves from all levels, both outward and inward. As pointed out in Biological Terms by Church, to more deeply illustrate the point that our bodies are primarily of energetic form, consider that there is no constant within the human body, which seems to appear as firm and solid as matter. Made up of over 37 trillion cells, we are constantly synthesizing millions of antibodies every 90 seconds, replacing over 810,000 cells each second, one trillion new red blood cells every day, and regenerating new skin cells every two weeks. As such, with a replacement of 60 billion cells, we are all literally physically different today than we were yesterday. We see that just as Eastern philosophies as well as references in Western philosophy and theology have claimed, through an inquiry of the physical evidence of reality, that we are all connected and all one. Physics has demonstrated that quanta are the indivisible components of the physical, making up the components of atoms. This interpretation of the physical through a lens of quantum theory reveals, as explained by Michio Kaku in We Do Not and Cannot Sit on a Chair, for example, that even though solid as a chair may seem, that rather than sitting on it, we are actually hovering 10 to the negative 8 centimeters over the chair on a repelling force of electrons in energetic exchanges that exist beyond our perceptions. 
Rather than viewing atoms as a solid nucleus with circulating matter of protons and neutrons, it is currently understood more as fields of energy that make up greater forms of complexity, not by some type of binding glue, but as electromagnetic forces that attract or repel at different strengths. To visualize this at the most subatomic level, we would see anything that exists, be that a tree, bird, herd, human, or any organism, system, or environment, can be broken down to groups of cells made up of groups of molecules from groups of atoms, which are made up by particles and waves of quanta. Individually and collectively, it is all held together with a field of vibrational force with space between each connecting quanta. If we consider thoughts as information, perhaps it is the waves of energy in the quantum vacuum that record and carry this information as described by the Akashic field of ancient texts, or if preferred, the zero-point field of quantum physics. Through systematic training of conscious direction, we strengthen our ability to tap into, communicate, and optimize our intake of information from such a field. It is in the multitude of potential parallels that exist that the consciousness of an observer can bring any of the suspended realities into the one that we collectively share. To comprehend this entanglement between an organism and the environment, consider Lipton's explanation of genes as an environmentally adaptive blueprint for an organism. He references experiments by Michael Levin that demonstrate forces outside of the organism instantly triggering a rearrangement or hypermutation within genetic structures, even passing some adaptive responses onto offspring. The extraordinary effect of how simply the magnitude of bioelectral volts given to tadpole cells so drastically translates into changes in general anatomical structure of the future frog in such experiments exemplifies the crucial role of energy as a flow of function for living beings. Church also discusses the dramatic effects that historical events and cultural changes can be graphed in correlation to shifts in the electromagnetism of the earth and energetic radiation of solar activity, showing a strong correlation with such changes and hypermutations in biological organisms. In considering everything as interconnected and that all is one, Lipton offers a better understanding of the commonalities among all of Earth's organisms in the striking commonalities and number of genes or nucleotide sequences within a chromosome among all organisms. From worm to mouse, monkey, human being having essentially the same underlying structure, varying in how those genes are expressed and the mechanism for that variety in the electromagnetic response of the regulatory proteins. As stated by Lipton, although, or perhaps because, we are made up of 50 trillion cells, we should consider an organism as one large embodied cell, expressing the same responses to the environment as a cell, in which it will move towards what is beneficial, such as nutrients or minerals, and away from what is harmful, such as a toxin, or remain neutral, and we can glean some insight into more tangible environmental conditions. Lipton expands further in the audible version of Biology of Belief, considering, for example, love as the highest, most sought emotional human state and stress as the less sought or most dreaded. 
a case sample of orphanages in Romania that were the subjects of multiple studies demonstrate this and can shed some light. Under a religious persuasion to carry out a birth, babies, whether or not the parents could afford, wanted, or were willing to raise, led to the need for many orphanages, which show that although these children had sufficient food, shelter, education, the only thing lacking for them was love to the degree that a parent would love their child. In a biological assessment of these children, all of their vital statistics were suppressed by 30% or more with a high rate of autism. The environmental factor in the case of autism in these orphans prompted the turn inward as a response to conditions lacking of love. As for stress, on the other hand, for the most part, every disease or virus is essentially in all of our blood already, but are kept in check by the immune system. Ideally, blood flow would be denoted mostly to energy production, growth, immunity, and so forth. Under stress, these are suppressed and fueling our protective functions. Under chronic conditions, this leads to all of the ailments we increasingly hear about being associated with stress to unleash and flourish. The reason being that stress suppresses immunity performance, allowing the opportunistic organisms already in our systems to reproduce and get the opportunity to wreak havoc and become expressed with less resistance. Another side effect of the stress response is that our intelligence is diminished as more energy is sent to instinctual reactions by restricting blood flow to the brain. These drivers arising from the environment, which are behind the functioning for the human organism, are instinct programmed into the gene and subconscious, which records the experience or stimulus. Consciousness, however, can observe these processes and predetermine functional operations. This has been shown in multiple studies of meditators controlling their own heart rhythms, blood flow, body temperature, and so on while in a meditative state. So as Lipton suggests, we are not determined genetic organisms stuck. Perception can adjust the biology. At the level of a human, we have a brain filled with a trillion cells that lies between the world that we see and experience and the internal world of our biology. The function of the brain is perception, to read the world and then adjust the biology accordingly. Perception is distinguished in two parts, the conscious and the subconscious. The initial blueprint of our genes comes to us not as a clean state, but programmed from the very beginning by the environment of a mother's diet, emotions, and thoughts. We've downloaded the nutrients, emotions, the chemical experiences that we shared with our parents since even before the sperm or the womb. This initial programming is equally through our genetics and the environment. Although such programming empowers the subconscious to essentially drive the majority of our response and activity, what is relevant is the conscious mind right now, rather than dredging up and reliving the programming of deficit. Buddhist mindfulness or any conscious mental practice is a way to get to a point of being in conscious control. Lipton also offers contemporary modalities of energy psychology for super learning to open up the brain and download information at phenomenal rates using various emerging models. 
modalities such as Psychic K work by harnessing the conscious mind as the tool to alter the subconscious, to reprogram ourselves, and change beliefs in as rapidly as 10 minutes. Consciousness has better things to do than control simple tasks like walking, digesting, and so on. Directing the consciousness then can gain clear benefits to biology, psychology, society, quanta, and essentially everything in each of our existence. From the embryo state to the natural world, nature has predicted the environment and the evolution of living things. Knowing that stress, happiness, any state or emotion has a biological effect of chemical processes and reactions like dopamine, cortisol, and so forth, we see that even the environment of a womb will carry information that begins to affect the blueprint of the genetic map even before birth. So how we see the world, the perception of the organism, is the catalyst for alteration of the genes. If we were a machine, our control mechanism would be consciousness, so that thought can be considered a mechanism for interpreting signals from the environment. As Dr. Paul Masters, professor and founder of the University of Metaphysics, explains it, the personal subconsciousness is a memory bank that is filled with the accumulation of thought and experience interpretation, whether positive or negative, to fill the records of this bank, thus laying the groundwork for future expectations. Further, he states that the simplest means of countering the governance of this established subconscious belief system to work for us rather than against us is simply through positive thinking. Consciousness, then, is the key to altering the physical world, beginning most directly with ourselves and our own physical systems. As we inwardly think, we outwardly reflect as a direct response of the environmental conditions that perception arises from. Meditation is a key to unlocking this world, beginning with how we perceive and respond to our own health or ailments. Beyond this, there is a knowledge that can and has been attained through a connection to an informational whole that has added benefit to complement knowledge attained from the physical world. In the Tao of Physics, Capra compares both Tao and physics as both are concerned with the underlying principles of the universe. He acknowledges the difference between the nature of knowledge and the language in which knowledge is expressed in order to provide a framework of comparison. Capra describes East-West differences to include the valuation of rational thought processes over intuition in the West, along with the use of equations and complex mathematical formulas to the difference of valuation for intuition and the use of meditation practice as a method of attaining knowledge used widely in the East. He explains that what parcels out from these methods is a conceptual representation of reality on one hand through the methods of the West and an experiential reality from the East. Although with both methods, it may take years of training to acquire comparable knowledge. Through meditation, it is based on direct insights of natural phenomena, while in physics, it is based on observations of the natural world. Overall, Capra concludes that the innate ambiguities accompanying language and even the symbols of mathematics to convey knowledge cannot offer the same degree of insight as an experience of knowledge can convey. 
by broadening our perception of the value of gaining insights through experiential methods like meditation, we can more fully directly comprehend the working of our universe and gain that knowledge directly through independent inquiry. Beyond our own individual awareness, several studies have also proposed an awareness to much more in our seemingly inanimate environment. Author Ziad Masri in Reality Unveiled points to research carried out by former CIA agent Cleve Baxter, who was surprised by his own results of connecting plants to a polygraph. In the very first experiment, he noted how the plant registered an increase in stimulus detected by the equipment when he simply had the thought of burning it. Upon actually retrieving matches and carrying out the intention, increased activity from the plant registered in the equipment until the burning ceased. Masri also references other similar evidence of plant sentience documented in publications such as The Secret Lives of Plants, showing that the growth of plants can be stunted or aided by the intention of human thought. Masri also connects to such awareness of non-living elements in the environment as he references the work of Dr. Masaru Imoto detailed in The Hidden Messages of Water. Through high-speed photography, water molecules can be seen to take on complex structures of crystallization or broken fragmented forms according to thoughts directly sent to the examined molecular structures of the water. Various results from types of music, words, thoughts, and even the transformation of contaminated water into crystalline form following meditation and prayer was observed and recorded. The relevance of this goes beyond the fact that humans are made up of approximately 60% water, but also to demonstrate an intrinsic entanglement that lies in all that exists and remains as a remnant feature of our initial connection before the Big Bang. With the inclusion of cosmic consciousness, philosophies of astrology contend that in the age of Aquarius, we are entering an age of information. Could it be that at this point in our human cycle, human consciousness is set to unfold into the interstellar reaches beyond the individual and into a collective awakening of our personal connections with the field that essentially carries the information of all that exists? By subscribing today, you can keep up with each episode as it is released, which I hope you will enjoy and see for yourself by applying the philosophies that I'll discuss to manifest all of your greatest wishes and intentions into the physical world. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a fulfilling day that inspires your greatest potential.